0: JBL here with my very best friends Tim Miller and sitting in for Sarah is Ted Johnson also of the Bulwark. Gents how are you? Sup JBL. Hey Ted. What's going on man? Welcome.
1: I love it. I, I love it.
2: I've never been on TNL with you. I think you guessed it once when I was gone. So uh, this is uh, going to be a hazing uh, episode (laughs) for me. So be on your toes.
1: I'm I'm in a fraternity and I was in the military. Hazing is like my middle name.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you've ever dealt with gay hazing, though. It's a little bit more accurate. (laughs) He was in the Navy. (laughs) different style.
0: Tim, he was in the Navy. Careful, Careful. easy, easy. Uh, So listen, let's start out here, Ted, on a scale of 1 to 100. How excited are you for the new Top Gun? Because you are of the age where you and I grew up with the original Top Gun, and then you went and became a Navy officer. Is this like your Star Wars? No. No, I'm like maybe 5, 10 maybe. Really? Um, Yeah,
1: I was not a Top Gun guy. On top of that, naval aviators have a very particular reputation in the Navy that's different from guys like me that were on ships oh. and is different even from the guys that ride submarines. So there's a little intra service uh, tension, uh, t- friendly tension. Um, and I'm, so I'm not a, you know, hey, my best friend is actually a naval aviator, but they're not my jam. So wow. Top Gun, Tom Cruise, eh, I'll watch Chippendale.
0: All right. Uh- <laughs> Tim, for you from the the gay action, how exciting, because I imagine, <laughs> I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that in your community, yeah. the volleyball <laughs> scene in the original Top Gun is revered as one of the high points of 80s cinema. Uh,
2: it is, it is, but I think for kind of the Gen X case, um, I'm just a little bit, uh, you know, I was young and closeted, so I didn't you know, really get there uh, with Top Gun uh, as far as any sort of titillating elements uh, you know the the male beach nipples weren't doing it for me at the time I was still dealing with my own internal demons and uh, you know I'm not really into the all-american boys anyway it's not really my type um, so uh, it's maybe a little TMI but uh, we can get into the details on that at the end of the pod but yeah Top Gun was kind of a no for me it's okay I, I, my only actual relationship with Top Gun is um, you know the uh, you lost that love and feeling scene mm-hmm. is very popular uh, among, I went to an all boys Jesuit school, the all boys high schools, you know that uh, got, you know, at our various proms and homecomings, you know, people would would try to, you know, spoof that uh, to varying degrees. That's that's on. That's really my only relationship with Top Gun. So I, I I wasn't
0: actually planning on seeing the new one even. Well, I I gotta tell you boys, I just rewatched the original Top Gun last night, and it is Holds even. Up better not it doesn't just Mm. hold up it's even better than i remember it Mm. it's deeply funny like the script is just awesome you know the script is is filed down to this razor sharp point uh it's filled with laugh out loud funny stuff which isn't intended to be funny uh the characters are drawn broadly but very well so that you you know within just a few seconds of meeting them you understand who these people are what their motivations are and the aerial footage—it's mm-hmm. amazing, right? We're so conditioned now to the CGI Marvel explosions <laughs> that having having Tony Scott uh, just negotiate with the Navy to get 300 hours worth of aerial footage with real real planes looks amazing. So it's a good sell. Yeah. Yeah. Go back, go back and listen. All right. So uh, listen, peeking behind the curtain for the audience. We are recording on Tuesday on election day. This show will come out on Wednesday. So there are some things we can talk about as done deals and some things we we can't. Can we talk about, can we go down to Arkansas where uh, the person who I maintain got the biggest career bump out of Trumpism of anybody is going to win basically she's unopposed, right? Mm-hmm. Or is anybody is anybody running against Sarah Huckabee, Trump Sanders? I think there may be one person <laughs> in there, but um <laughs> you know, she she entered the Trump years as just an idiot, Chloe Kardashian looking uh daughter of a fat governor. And it's actually, a kind <laughs> description of her brand
2: before the Trump White House, but we'll just—I'll just let that—I'll just let that slide. Uh, she and, does have, by the way, sorry, I was muted. She does have a talk show host that she's running against, which you know, Doc. Well,
0: his name's Doc. But know its not much of a—not much of a competition. only hmm. mm. you know, ninety percent of other people in Trump world had their lives ruined by being in Trump world. You know, the Michael Flynn's and uh, Paul Manafort's of the world. Uh, And she just emerged like a slingshot to the moon. She is what everybody thinks of. And to to such a degree that, as you note in your piece uh, that is up today, Timothy, um, she cleared the field of both the state lieutenant governor and attorney general because they didn't think that they could beat this former comms staffer. (laughs) That's astonishing. Yeah. And I know
2: both Uh, in this. This is a little bit of a, you know, this goes my Republican uh, uh, bona fides uh, here from the old days. The the lieutenant governor is a guy named Tim Griffin, um, who was good friends with a former business partner of mine. Um, He was a, you know, a a political hack turned uh, politician himself. um, But but he did so much earlier than than Sarah did. He was a congressman from Arkansas, so not just lieutenant governor. He's a congressman of Arkansas. He leaves Congress to to run for lieutenant governor, um, in you know sort of the old Bush mold, figuring that he is the natural successor to his home state is planning on being being the governor. Then uh, a a lawyer that I know, a uh, Republican lawyer, Leslie Rutledge, goes home to Arkansas, runs for attorney general, and you know back like five years ago in establishment Republican circles, this was like. You know nobody actually cares in real life, but you know inside RNC world, people are like, ooh, this will be exciting. It'll be like Leslie versus Tim, and like they both like have long term Republican histories and friends, and it, you know, it's going to be a civil war. And so you know these were people that had been plotting this for years, and like run running for very serious offices with real jobs, and uh, and Sarah Huckabee Trump Sanders just kind of rolls in with her street cred from li- uh, from lying for the orange guy and clears them. They both. <laughs> They both quit. They didn't even consider challenging her. Uh, Tim's numbers were so bad, internal numbers, you know, that he just was like, saw the writing on the wall and says so it wasn't worth doing. Uh, it was like a congressman and, and multi term lieutenant governor was losing like 70 to 11 to her.
0: So, Ted, how prepared are you for the world that we are all going to inhabit four years from now? So, it is 2026. Donald Trump is either the sitting term limited president or has been defeated 2 years past and we are now all looking to the 2028 election and it is Sarah Huckabee <laughs> Sanders who is going to be running for president and is the clear favorite in mm. Republican circles are you ready for that world
1: you know i don't i don't Think so, um, but okay. I, will, I will say this. Um, Talk me out of it.
0: Talk so, me out of why Sarah Huckabee Sanders isn't going to be the first female president of mm, America. So <laughs> uh, first, <laughs> the, I was just like, I'm tr- I'm punishing the listeners right now. I just exactly. like I want
2: everyone in their car right now to be shivering. People are turning off the highway.
1: No, look, I I completely by the argument that this was planned, like that there there was a strategy here. Um, One, she's got name recognition. I mean, there's the Huckabee name in Arkansas, which already meant something, but being press secretary meant that we were not going to stop hearing her name for the entire time that she was there that and look all the size shows that if you have name recognition that's more than half the battle never mind what your policy is or anything else um second she is uh the press secretary role is now somewhat of a celebrity role uh, I mean look Jen Psaki's leaving this to go do an MSNBC thing so Celebrity is also, there's um, some sociologists who say the hero culture in America is no, the path to it is no longer political science or I'm sorry, I'm being a politician or the military, but it's celebrity. So she's got name recognition. She's got sort of like celebrity status. And then the third thing is um, she got out before things got super ugly. I mean, she was press secretary for what? like you know, uh, 18 months, two years or something. And usually ambitious people in administrations don't hang around longer than two years. So they don't, they don't get tainted with the, 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 the worn off luster. That all administrations eventually um, that, that they all are infected with. So she pulled the trifecta and she held on to her maiden name, Huckabee, something that Ronna, McD- Ronna Romney um, could not do, had to, had to shed that under the Trump administration. She hangs on to it. So she she did the impossible. She rode this train wreck to higher heights. Um, I don't know that the train wreck um, or or that this strategy has a life beyond Arkansas. I don't think her appeal is national. I don't think that for whatever boost she got from being part of the Trump administration in 17, 18, is going to mean the same thing in 25, 26, 27. And um, on top of that, Seeing her in a debate is not going to excite anyone, um, never mind the Republican base, but like this is not something the country's going to get up in, in arms about or be looking forward to. So for those reasons, I think she has it will flame out in Arkansas and she can pat herself on the back for having success. But I don't think the White House is in her future,
2: at least not. Um, yeah, I mean, she's a governor. Yeah. Pretty good success. I don't know. I've never. Yeah, that's not bad. Exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> I, I agree with Ted on one part about the star power of the crossover, right? It's She might a little bit be have a celebrity in the MAGA ghetto in a way that doesn't cross over. The way Trump's does right uh, And this was you know kind of Trump's thing right Like you remember Ted Cruz right Versus Trump this is you know is Huckabee really more In the Cruz mold where she's like kind of A traditional Republican and is, is Popular at the villages on the speaking circuit But like can't cross over the way Trump Did I will say this though I I I've I Don't know if I've ever said anything nice about Sarah Huckabee Sanders in my life so I'm going to say one nice thing She uh, she Was skilled to navigate the celebrity In the way that she did to get to the mm-hmm. governorship I mean her predecessor is my former boss and friend Sean Spicer there's a there's a lengthy exegesis on Spicer in the new book why we did it mm. on your shelves J- June 28th you can pre-order now um, but uh, Sean Spicer is now a host on newsmax channel 1051 on your cable <laughs> dial uh, and you know has no appeal at all really outside the most narrow super magas uh, and so you know there's that any natural reason why she couldn't have ended up going that same route, right? I think yes, there was there a level is. of deftness. I think there was a level of deftness no. that she
0: demonstrated. It's no? nepotism. Look, if her daddy hadn't been a two-time governor of Arkansas and presidential candidate who finished second in 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 the running in whichever oh, year he finished in 08, yeah. right, uh, then she would be exactly like Sean Spicer. She would not be returning home to Arkansas as a triumphant, you know, she inherited a political apparatus. Same way that Rand Paul would not be anywhere in the world. Rand Paul would be like practicing discount eye surgery out of the back of the strip mall in Kentucky if he wasn't, he wasn't his, you know, his daddy's son. That's, that's, this is the explanation for her. Hmm. It is, it is nepotism. That's that's the the key and she the had Trump, both shine Trump and the Trump, Trump shine the, right well, the right. nepotism plus the Trump shine and uh, and got her, go- her daddy got on the Trump board too right there was no you know Governor Huckabee didn't have any any problems getting on board trump and so she didn't mm. have to worry about that they were all mm. in as a family Well, it's,
2: her daddy was a very earnest christian man i mean that's why yeah, he ran was against mitt. That yeah that's why he yeah, ran yeah. against <laughs> mitt in 2008 with he and believed. did the like anti-mormon dog whistles and just because he wasn't a real christian like huckabee and so he had no choice but to get on with you know the thrice married adultering donald trump <laughs> it was like the only option that he had right as a genuine as a pure genuine christian
0: that makes hmm. sense. And, all right, so while, while we're talking, this, this wasn't on our our show list, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. While we're talking about people who have changed, uh, Naomi Wolf. You guys may remember Naomi Wolf. She's a feminist icon hmm. and author. She was a close advisor to Al Gore during his ill-fated 2000 election run. I believe her big contribution to the campaign was to tell him to wear earth tone colors. Uh, <laughs> was she, that her? Naomi was the earth was yeah. the person behind the earth tones? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Oh, no, I didn't know that.
2: I remember the earth tone move. What was a mistake.
0: Uh, was I did not mistake. know that was Naomi's doing. Hmm. Uh, she this week went on Charlie Kirk's YouTube show. Big numbers. She she went on the show from the passenger seat in her car. Literally, she's just like talking into her phone, the passenger seat of her car. And among other things, she is now a big Second Amendment person. She says that Australia and Canada are totally enslaved. Her words, not mine. Uh, She believes that next week, so next week, the, the, the last week of May, the first week of June, the World Health Organization will become an occupying force in America and that this may possibly lead to a civil war. Here's my question. Do people change or do they reveal? This is a big human story question. And I understand that there are exceptions to every rule. So it doesn't have to be like 100. But in general, do people change or do they reveal who they are?
2: Um, Theodore. Ted, Ted, I'll let you think. Oh, no. You're going to start? Okay, go uh, Yeah,
1: Yeah. So I don't know. I would think I would frame it just a little bit differently. I think there are people who lean into whatever f- positive feedback loops they're getting or whatever, whether that's celebrity or proximity to power, but whatever sort of resonates, they either lean into that feeling or they stay true to themselves and resist the urge to do so. And she strikes me as the type that, um, as long as she's proximate to celebrity power, influence, whatever, she will probably follow along. But the minute the spotlight is off of her, um, then she finds, she starts to float other ideas out there. And um, this conspiracy theory stuff, anti-vax stuff, you know, gets kicked off of Twitter. Um, She leaned into that persona because that is how she um, can draw attention to herself. And I think that is, and, and and so i i guess that reveals who she is but i think it could have just as if she had, had got positive feedback for positive things i think she would have leaned into those things even though those create two very different people so i don't know if it's intrinsic to her character in terms of these principles but rather her I, her desire to be close to things that draw attention if that makes any, any sense mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, you're really dumping this one on me here. To like, <laughs> I, uh, Tim, could you judge Naomi on the spot here? Um, no, we don't I take think, her out of the equation. Yeah, we're we,
0: talking about people in general. Yeah. you don't have to judge her specifically.
2: Yeah, my answer to this is we all have our. Uh, I think it's Carl Jung, the sh- our shadow side. We all have our shadow, and el- everybody has you know demons and elements um, that you know can be exacerbated over time in certain situations, given how their life has turned out. Um and so I don't I guess change is such a weird word right because it's like well I guess their behavior changed right and that you know is, is are you asking like do they did they never have this in them and and something emerged that seems unlikely right um and so in that in that sense I, I guess you land on the side of reveal uh but I don't I, I just I don't think that you can look at any, I, I'm not sure about you guys, but um, I have a working theory that on every group text chain, are you guys, do, you, do you guys do group text oh, chains? Yes. Yeah, yeah, on every group text chain, at least one person has went insane over the course of the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> like, like every text chain has one person who went insane, and if you don't know who the person was that went insane, it was you, right? <laughs> and so, like, I think that we've seen in human behavior wild, widely over the last two years that stress, high stress situations, you know, make people, um, uh, like, you know, react in ways that, that maybe lean into different elements of themselves that then, you know, had been the dominant ones prior. So, um, as usual, I'm I'm landing in the middle on,
0: uh, on one of these questions, JVL, but that's, that's Let me give you the correct answer. Let me give you boys the correct (laughs) answer. Uh, so the correct answer is that most people are not especially judgy. You two are not especially judgy because you're good people. Some people, bad people, are very judgy. That's me. And uh, as usual, I'm, I'm in the middle. Actually, I'm a little <laughs> judgy. Ted is, Ted is a good person. Depends no, on no, the no. topic. No, I'm, no, I'm no. no, no yeah. <laughs> people like Naomi Wolf. It was clear as day to me in nineteen ninety eight watching her, which is when she first sort of flitted across my, my radar, that she was a And crazy you were watching her closely in nineteen ninety eight, why? What well, was that was there anything she was about books. her I don't, no, was she there was was... anything was there anything about her kind of
2: <laughs> mean, anything about her that made you kind of give
0: extra attention to her back in nineteen ninety eight? Anything that stands out? I mean I was like a fact checker at a magazine and so I was oh, reading okay. all this stuff all the time. Yeah. And, uh, Not her looks, then. Was... Right. No, you know. what Look, Naomi Wolf. I'll just say this about her: her head could blot out the sun. She is a big-headed person. Oh my god! This isn't bad. Oh, this sorry. isn't bad. I'm just saying I'm that sorry. she. I'm sorry. I went there. Right. Okay, go back to your answer. Go very large me. head, which. Which, but to be honest, I wish I had one. I'm, I'm very conscious about my small-headedness. Oh and my Big-headed people rule the world. Tim, you have a very large head. It's yeah, I know. Nice it's head. got
2: its own leather system. Yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway, un, un, unimportant. What's important is that I looked at her in the same way that I looked at Gl- Glenn Greenwald when mm. he entered into the world and was shilling, clearly shilling for Russia. And and the way I watched Rush Limbaugh. when he was, And I looked at all these people and I just thought, fraud, 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 fraud and the great thing about the trump years is that he has been like like paint thinner you know like these people who had covered themselves up right and had managed to pass among the less judgy of you of of us right among you guys right the people like, yeah, i don't want to cast stones the crazies were able to pass and what trump trump was like a Whatever the opposite of the varnish is, you know, the, the, you, you apply the paint there and you peel off the layers of paint when you're restoring paint. And you can really see what's underneath. And so he was the great revealer of all of this. Hmm. There. Mm. That's it. Okay. Uh, very quickly, did, did Tim, do you want a, to talk about that? That was a
2: gratifying this? 10 minute sidebar that was not on our, that was not on our agenda.
0: JVL, thanks for taking us to there. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, would you like to talk about inflation and Joe Biden's numbers? Well, actually, I'd like you guys to, um, because I have
2: a uh, take that I think that Jonathan's going to disagree with coming on Not My Party this week, Um, and um, I watch
0: nearly all of Not My Parties.
2: Thank you. Um. Thank you I, They're really fun It's my favorite thing to do uh, And uh, I thought your favorite uh, it's not just because Every me. once in a while An 18 year old says Hey are you the Snapchat guy That's not the only <laughs> reason It's my favorite thing to do But it, it doesn't hurt Because um, I'm not a perfect person uh, But uh, yeah Look I, I, A lot of the, the feedback I get From the teens Is often that Like they feel very Like they can't get good information anywhere uh you know on the internet like everybody who, who says that they like it says like uh, everything is either oh so far like left social you know aoc stan queen stuff or like mega crazy and like i just i can't i don't know where to find political information that i can um you know that i that i can trust and so for that reason i try to be conscious of like of, of being fair but critical to what's happening with Biden And I haven't done any episodes yet on inflation Obviously it's affecting everybody's lives I paid $85 to fill up the gas tank yesterday mm-hmm. So I wanted to do an inflation episode And it includes, I think in retrospect A critique about the initial COVID bill The $1.9 trillion that, that passed on party lines uh, That overheated the economy uh, I, I, and, and, and I think that obviously that's not the only reason And I say that in the episode that we have inflation you know, I think a, maybe a bad choice was compounded by some bad luck with COVID and Russia and all this other stuff. Jerome Powell and uh, you know JVL, you've written about this. There's only so much of the Fed you can get into in a three-minute Snapchat episode with memes, but I, I, try, I try to at least touch on Jerome Powell. <laughs> Zerp. Um, but I but, but anyway, Zerp. I, I just I, I would like that's coming out Thursday. I'm sure some of our Biden stands will will bristle uh, at the episode when it comes out, and so I just kind of wanted to throw to you guys like. Where, how, you know, what's your take? How much do you think that that the 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 COVID bill, in re- looking at it now, however how, however long we are, seventeen months later after it passed, in retrospect, a miss? Ted, you first.
1: Yeah. I, so uh, look, I think people are they want to know who to blame. Uh, is this Biden's fault because of bad economic policy? Is it Russia's fault because they they tried to take over the world and screwed up you know supply lines, et cetera? Um, is it the company's fault for price gouging at a time when they could be you know more do more for the public good but instead are trying to make money? And I think people's willingness to tolerate solutions, is based on who they believe is to be blamed for the inflation in the first place. And so with this is sort of a rambly way of me saying like I don't think most Americans are having policy don't have policy opinions about what has happened. They have um uh factors or people that they blame for what is happening and um and just want it to stop. So what does it mean for Biden what does it mean for Democrats politically inflation is never good if you're the the incumbent or if you're the party that holds power so i suspect that it will h- further hinder the chances of of Democrats hanging on to any part of power in Congress at the state or federal level of uh, state assemblies or, or Congress. And I suspect that Biden is going to shoulder the lion's share of the blame for for inflation, even if it is predominantly Russia or even if it is price gouging, you know, um, it, it, it almost doesn't matter. The people are going to say the president is not doing enough to fix it. And so and I think that's that will be sort of how people roll into
2: 2023. Um,
1: uh, thinking about and so hey,
2: so before JBL, I want your answer on the COVID bill. But Ted, this is another part of the episode, so I want to follow up on this. Mm-hmm. I, I guess you're saying kind of what I say was the episode, which is you got to do something. Right, like even at this point, like he doesn't have a magic wand, right? That he can fix inflation. There's no magic anti-inflation wand that's going to make everything nice and and happy by November. But like it, people are going to blame him, and so mm-hmm. you know, for, if, if JBL can talk about the policy, you and me just start talking about the politics of this for a second. Um, people are going to believe them. So like, doesn't, don't they need to do a better job of at least try, showing that they're trying to do something than they are right now?
1: I, I think so, but whatever it, it can't be like professori, like they can't say they can't start talking about the federal reserve and interest right. Right, because that doesn't resonate with people. But the things that do resonate, like we're going to suspend the gas tax, or right. we're going to, you know, do another stimulus to help people buy groceries or, or whatever that stuff feels too gimmicky to Americans now, I think, especially after two years of COVID. And so I don't know that there's anything the Biden administration can do uh, tangibly or even rhetorically to fix the mess, but to do nothing. Is the absolute wrong answer. So, so they've got to message something. Okay, so something. I'm,
2: offering, I'm offering gimmicks. What are you offering? Okay, you say no. You say not nothing no, and not gimmicks. I'm offering no, gimmicks. What do you th- What, no, do you, no, what so, are you propose?
1: I, I am saying that they are both horrible solutions, but silence is the worst of the two. Okay. And and so you have to you have to say that you're going to do something, knowing you're going to be attacked for it, knowing it's going to be insufficient, but showing that you're trying and hoping that the effort alone will move some voters, um, you know, back into your column. All right. Why I didn't not?
2: give an up-and-down answer on the original COVID <laughs> bill. That's okay. That's okay. Um, just I'm noticing that. Uh, JVL, I want you to go to you on that. Go back why? to the COVID bill.
0: I'll, I'll get to the COVID bill in a minute. But okay. Why not repeal the Trump tariffs, right? I mean, this yes. is right. you know, the one mm-hmm. thing that everybody, all the economists seem to agree on is you peel back the Trump tariffs, and that's going to immediately release, release some price pressures. Uh and it seems to be that the Bidens are, Biden administration is afraid of being hit on Fox News every night for being soft on China. Yeah. And that they think that repealing the tariffs becomes a political loser, uh, which just shows, like, the insane place that we are in with our politics.
2: Uh, so see, I have a question about this, then, really quick yeah. on the tariffs before we get to the stimulus. Uh, like, Can't they just repeal all the other tariffs? besides china if that's what they're worried if that's what they're worried about i mean that'll have less of a, a deflationary effect but like it would be something yeah
0: i mean it would be something but at that point you know why, why not just rip the band-aid off and do it all yeah right i think you because you're still going to get com- you're still going to get hit oh you're right. siding with the globalists right. even <laughs> if you're just repealing the tariffs on canada uh, right yeah. <laughs> you know so look did uh did, did the American Rescue Plan contribute to inflation? It must have at some level, right? Uh, you know, this is you, you pump pump a billion-plus dollars in the economy, you you are going to contribute to rising prices because people have a more trillion, disposable income. A trillion. Two trillion. Right. I'm sorry, did I not say trillion? You said a billion. Oh, a billion. One right. billion. Sorry. Pump Times a, a thousand. thousand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on the other hand, the... The 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 biggest driver of all this is the Fed's insane decision to keep us at zero percent interest all through the year, the years when times were good, and this has created a world in which uh, finance is not configured to operate with anything above like one percent and so we are going to undergo real pain as the fed raises rates which they have to do which they're going to continue to do uh we are pst, we're already in a recession like we haven't officially gotten there uh, and yeah. it'll be several months before we hit the official and then you'll see a bunch of news stories saying that uh, that you know oh it's official now we are in a recession um Everybody knew we were going to come to a recession anyway, right? This is people talked about this during the campaign, right? Oh, actually it would be better if Donald Trump won because then the recession that's coming. Like we're just at that place in the business cycle. Uh and so while it's not fair for Biden to be blamed, um that is political reality always and he will be blamed and either the economy will Will slow the recession around enough to have a soft landing, and we will have begun the early process of recovery by early 2024. In which case, Biden will have a chance to be reelected, or we won't, and mm-hmm. Donald Trump will be president again. Like, and that's just the that's just the reality of it. Yeah, yeah. and so I don't I don't blame. Again, I, I think we were going to be to some some version of this place with or without the American Rescue Plan. If you do the counterfactual of without it, uh, there was danger of going to the recession earlier, right? Because the economy needed a kickstart as it was coming out from COVID. So there, I mean, there are prices to yeah. That wasn't an all or nothing action. though. I mean, you know, there was a lot of
2: free money sloshing around in that thing that could have been trimmed yeah. back. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I I got really, I mean, obviously everyone is, you know, concerned about this. It wasn't like this text, like woke me up to the fact that there's inflation and that's a political problem for Biden. But I got a particularly scary text from a solid Democratic college educated, you know, suburban white man friend uh, the other day about how he knows that I'm not going to be happy to hear this, but he misses the Trump economy, and I was like, "This makes me want to pull my hair out." And like, yeah, jump I don't even top understand. Of the, jump to off the top of to the, that. the roof. Yeah. I know, but like, my the reason. How about why that the Obama was, economy? Does he miss yeah. the Obama? The Clinton yeah. economy <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> exactly what I said. I was like, "This is crazy." But, the, and, but 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 if that, you know, if that is what a a, a person who attended college and reads the newspaper would text. This is what imagine. they're all going to do. Yeah, this is what imagine. they're all going to say.
0: This yeah. is the other thing. Yeah, we fight about this all the time. You know, people are like, oh, gas prices. Li- people are literally always complaining about gas prices. This is a perpetual lament. I, I went back and uh, was listening to a-, a bunch of Joe Biden clips from, I think it was 2008. And he talking about how he had just spoken to his buddy, Joey Dank. <laughs> Joey Dank. That's, that's his buddy's <laughs> name. And, and, uh, Joey, he said to his friend, Joey, you know, how much does it cost to fill up your Corvette? And his, Joey said to me, I don't know, Joe, cause I can't afford to fill the whole thing. That's how crazy gas prices are. This is this idea that like, you know, Oh, it's like complaining about the weather. Like people, are, people Do you are think Joey Dank and Corn Pop were pals, or do you think they were on different sides of town? Probably on different sides. Both, both complaining about gas, though. You can be assured that. Yeah, my point is, people are always always making these complaints, and it, it drives me a little bit nuts. But it will hurt Biden, and uh, to the extent that, to the extent that people like us, I believe, early in the Biden administration, were saying. Why don't you focus on structural changes which can help protect democracy, irrespective of whether or not you win re-election? Voting rights, Mm. Electoral Count Act stuff, adding a state, making D.C. Mm. a state, right? Stuff like that. And don't do this like, oh, I'm going to just try to do normal political popular stuff. I'm going to try to do popularism. I think that was a a tremendous mistake. Mm. And... Uh, because we're going to wind up where we're going to wind up, and you know, they, maybe they get something passed through reconciliation. I don't. I don't think they're going to get an electoral count act ref- reform passed. Yeah, uh, you know, I
2: was talking to Jay Mart uh, um, at his book party out here. This will not pass. Um, and he was like. <laughs> You know, offering this and God bless them. I mean, that book is just so great and their reporting so great. But I, this is more, less commentary on him than on like what people on these people on the Hill. He was like, Well, yeah, they think that maybe that they'll pass the ECA reform in the uh, in the lame duck after the <laughs> Republicans take everything. And I was like, What? I was like, Who, <laughs> Who thinks that? It's like, That's insane. Like, you, they I mean, come on. Anyway, yeah. You, you know, but
1: on this inflation question, I'm curious what you, if you think there's a link between, the Trump tax cuts and inflation that we're seeing now.
0: Uh, I mean, the the tax cuts, which were not mixed with spending cuts. Yeah, that certainly becomes part of it too, right? I mean, you know, this is, we keep running these these giant budget deficits, which, uh, you know, there are different schools of thought on, on this. But on the other hand, to keep pumping money into the economy, even when things are going well, it just necessarily leads to this sort of stuff, right? right. It's Im- I mean, people have been inspecting and in- expecting inflation since 2010, basically, mm. right? So when when Obama passes his stimulus, right. coming out of the financial crisis, uh, people are like, "Oh, inflation's going to be coming. Inflation's going to be coming," and the Fed just kept cutting interest rates and. Yeah, it, it it's the term tax cuts paired with the Fed, right? And like
2: that's the real answer, right? Like right. on their own, it's like what? But you know, another four years of zero percent interest rate,
0: you know, that yeah. I mean, that's right. zerp, zerp. Okay. Uh, so are we are we close enough to the end of the show that we can go dark, Timothy, or no? Oh,
2: yes. <laughs> it's okay. so
0: sad. I'm so sad. <laughs> so tonight, Tuesday night, when we were taping. George P. Bush will lose. His, I'm on Burgundy. Yeah. Get his yeah. mouth kicked. He's got, finally, he's finally be defeated, which is terrible tragedy. He's a great man. Uh, his <laughs> father. Je, what's his name? Jed. John Je, Ellis. Jebediah. Oh, John, Je, John, John Ellis. Ellis. Yeah. <laughs> that that guy uh, who I believe, you know, Timothy. Yeah, He uh, he has just written. So he is a never trumper i guess or a maybe trumper never or uh inconceivable that i would not vote for the republican nominee or and he's found no, a new I mean, horse because uh, everything's fine not, right
2: i don't i don't actually know that he's a right in though who can you tell the was. people yeah oh god this one i this came across my screen and i was just it was like I had, I had to shut the computer down immediately i don't i just didn't even know what happened it was like you accidentally click on a link and, and it takes you to like the dark part of the internet. Like the, uh, the, <laughs> what's it called? Where, like they show, you know, ISIS killings and stuff. And also like your screen is happening. There's blood splattering everywhere and naked people. You're like, ah, um, and this is what happened to me when I saw the tweet. Um, yeah, Time 100. Uh, you know, this is the last relevant thing that Time does, I guess. They name the 100 most Im- influential people, and then they ask another famous person to write a thing about why that person, that why that famous person is so well, great. I
0: remember this. Ted Cruz wrote
2: that for uh, Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, so Ron DeSantis is one of the 100 most influential people according to Time, and Jeb wrote his. Uh, his blurb and it was mm. not not ironically uh either it was a genuine endorsement fair-minded
0: real hard clear-eyed look at uh the pluses and minuses it was not no it was a
2: commentary about his smart stewardship of florida Ooh. and uh and how the beltway uh republican the beltway types might not like his style yeah. um they don't like the tweets they don't like the tweets <laughs> yeah <laughs> so here's the thing um this one's really hard for me. Uh over we've we've all talked about this, we've written about it. Uh, over God, six years now. We've been getting disappointment upon disappointment. And I always tell the uh story of our uh our friend over at the dispatch, um, who when I was a, I was having a drink with uh with Jonah and they said to him like uh or no i'm sorry it was steve i'm getting my dispatch people mixed up you know and uh and he was talking about everybody that had disappointed him and going on and endorsing trump and you know someone said to him well uh maybe you should get a dog you know the old line about in politics if you're looking for loyalty get a dog instead steve replied deadpan i think my dog is for trump um <laughs> and i feel that way about myself um everybody has disappointed me and like there was just this small number of people left that i was holding on to that had not totally disappointed me, um, and uh, yeah, I know this isn't all about me, but you know it is solipism, solipsism, solipsism. Uh, and uh, uh, boy, I think the DeSantis thing will be the end of that. Uh, here, here's the, here's my will I'll just put Jeb to the side for a second. Everyone, maybe Steve. Frankly, even in this story, everyone is going to be for DeSantis. Like, like the DeSantis thing will mark the final end of the schism, uh, and uh, and you know, and anyone, even the the most good faith remaining. Never, you know, anti-anti-Trumpers, judges. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, even (laughs) even the people that that were really pretty darn good during the Trump era, um, you know, the ones who who just did not. There, there, there are two types of people in the Never Trump world. This is what this is what a lot of people don't understand. And I actually try when I when I wrote about this and 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 uh, um, you know a while back about how sometimes I think we look at each other and judge each other. Jv since you're the judger, you can you can fill the judging role of this podcast. And and, and uh, we point at them, the Never Trumpers who are still you know kind of going along with the DeSantis types and say. You guys are just in it for the money, and you guys just want to still be in the club, and you guys still just like that. And they point at us and they say, You guys just want MSNBC to like you, and blah, blah, blah. And, and I think there's maybe a little bit of that on both sides. But I think the real divide is that they looked at the Trump era and saw a single man who is an aberrant. Person with personal flaws did not it did not cause them to reflect at all about the underlying elements of their ideology that that led to having that man be be named the commander in chief. Uh, and we looked at him and said, "Oh man, like this shit is rotten to the core. Like the fact that this guy could become the president means that this whole thing that I'm a part of is rotten to the core. And I'm gonna I just need to reassess all of it. Not everything. I don't know, I'm not gonna change my view on every little thing, but I need to reassess fundamentally." how i was complicit in something that got us here mm-hmm. and 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 anyone and anyone that fell on the other side of the line is going to go with desantis in the end um you know and that is you know including our friends and and uh and people like jeb uh and other people that you know we've come to feel like we're on or allies you know in the fight against trump and and i think that is like this jeb endorsement is is basically just this. that This was inevitable. I knew it was coming, but it was just like a punch to the heart. It was just, you know, like, oh, hey, Tim, the very fun, the, fun, the last people that that you you know felt like
0: were still with you on this one aren't going to be with you.
2: Well, as soon as as soon as they move on to DeSantis. All right,
0: Ted, let me float two possible happy scenarios here for you. You tell me if I am wishcasting. The first is that Jeb is trying to knife DeSantis in the back <laughs> by endorsing him because he himself oh, is I love so this. <laughs> hated in MAGA world and is such, for them, the symbol of everything that is Beta, Cock, Rhino, that having him be pro-DeSantis, like it'll be like the Bulwark endorsing DeSantis.
1: <laughs> Plausible? Or no? no. I don't think he's thinking that <laughs> strategically at all. And and frankly, I think that the public observation would be finally the guy has come to a senses. He's finally capitulated and joined the side, the winning side and and surrendered his losing ways. There's and I, yeah. So no, I don't I don't think he's being strategic and using his reputation to bludgeon DeSantis in okay. Florida.
0: Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh point number two. All of these people who are full on DeSantis 2024 as a way to get out of the reckoning about what is the Republican Party now in 2022 when Trump becomes the nominee in 2024 are they going to just pivot to well we're DeSantis 2028 or are they going to are they going to just do what they did last time which is uh well okay got to Yeah, it's
1: 2016 all over again, you know, where for Rubio, the, you know, Reagan's, the children of the Reagan era have come together, (laughs) Haley, Scott and Rubio. um, And then Rubio begins to mimic Trump and then he completely caves. Um, Same Ted Cruz nominates Carly Fiorina to be his, his, you know, (laughs) VP as a way of trying to catch the wave and, um, and then capitulate. So, yeah, the, those on the DeSantis train will ride it until Trump runs it off the, the tracks, and then they'll get on the Trump train. Um, and the last thing on this, and maybe this pertains to the Jeb too, but there's there's this idea that those of principle, if they can just get close enough to the unprincipled actors, they can keep those folks in bounds. But more often than not, and we saw this with you know the entire Trump administration, um, you are often corrupted by that proximity rather than you like. Uh, lending principle or giving some set of values to that person and, and trying to correct course. So I, I, the, the Trump train is going to run on time. Yeah, I think, uh, and so I uh, no,
2: uh, Ted, that is a c- very correct assessment of many people of many people. It is not the right assessment of Jeb and what is happening with Jeb is a different thing. Uh, that is something that I've seen in a lot of people. Uh, and it is, uh, and it is, is one of the uh, categories that I write about and, and why we did it. Uh, and that is that, He just, he doesn't think that he can influence DeSantis to be better on his evil, like, Fox News, don't say gay stuff. (laughs) What he's doing is he is, he's compartmentalizing that. And he's putting that in a box over here. And he's saying, what I actually care about is... The fact that he's doing education reform and that he's funding Everglades, you know, things, which is a pet issue of mine. And that he hasn't gone along with the all this stuff that the left does that I don't like. Right. And so and and he's done tax reform, which I like. Right. And so I'm uh, and so I'm just going to create this checklist of things that I like that Ron DeSantis does, you know, and it's like, this is a good check. This is a good check. This is a good check. And then all of the things that are on the X side of the checklist, it's like, eh, I don't, you know, yeah. that's not really that important. That's just that's just kind of part of the game. That's just sort of part of the political process that you just have to deal with in order to get these goodies that I like. Um, and and I think that he's genuine about that. I think that he genuinely agrees with Ron DeSantis's education uh, reform policies um, uh, for for better or worse. I think he probably doesn't like. stuff that ron desantis says when he goes on tucker carlson but but he's saying these are two different things as a citizen of florida what i like are these are these policies and so that gets you out of having to reckon with the stuff that he's saying on fox and to me the problem with this and this is why why, you know jeb who i still personally uh, adore quite a bit like fall on different sides of the line on this is because i look back at the period of my career between 08 and 16 and see all of my doing that of compartmentalizing all this bad stuff and and i saw the danger of that it 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 man it, it became a man it anthropomorphized into this like evil human who is the commander-in-chief of the world uh, of the country or the leader of the free world excuse me and so i'm like i i, I look back at that and i say oh my like the risks of that are far too great to, to for me to prioritize against them this tax bill, you know, or, or, or this education reform bill, you know, um, the school choice bill I, and, and, and do well, you the other side of this have made the other call? That's what's happening with him. I, I think that there's, uh, there, there are gradients of, of, uh, of, um, complicity. I think that he, you know, he, that he's on the closest one. And, and like some of the other folks, you know, that we fought on and all
0: of those folks are going
2: to end up going with DeSantis. Because. I could
0: I got a question for you though, Please. Tim. I mean, so Jeb, what is it about a guy? He does not have to take a stand on this, right? It's not like he's yeah, he is in position. Quiet, where right? Somebody was gonna. People were gonna come to him in his daily press conference. This guy was radio silent all through 2020, right? Yeah. he never, never stepped out to say. I can send a tweet from time to time. I'm gonna write in. Uh, Edmund Burke on my ballot. I will not be supporting the Donald Trump. (laughs) He never did that. He only feels compelled to step out for Team Red in this way. This is, and I guess this is a question for both of you guys. Because I don't understand it. Because I'm not this way and we're all hostage to our own experience. So I look at people who are this way and I don't understand them. It's like I'm staring at a platypus. What is it about people who feel political identity as such an immutable part of their core that they simply can't can't imagine not being on the team whose jersey they're wearing i don't get that i do yeah. can you explain it because this is like the bill yeah. bar like when bill Barr yeah. said i find it inconceivable that i wouldn't like that was such an interesting word choice because it, it you know, he literally he just couldn't conceive I, I just thought to myself, how who are you? What sort of weirdo are you? I, I think that there
2: are not that many normal humans like this, like actual voters. And this is why I wrote about this in the red dog article, the big trade. Like a lot of in this way a lot of the politicians are like behind where actual voters are because voters are happy to trade. You know, like most voters who like voted for Romney and didn't thought Trump were gross, like voted for Biden and like didn't really think that much about it. It wasn't like they had to. Uh, There's a handful of super active people for whom it was hard. Those are the RVAT, a lot of the RVAT people that sent in videos and why that was so powerful. And these super active political people and then people who are in the political bubble who are in politics, if if you're in the Bush family, it's been your whole family is about politics. It being your political tribe is as much of your identity as is race, gender, right. sexuality, right? Like, especially if you're white, right? I, you know, if you're a white person of, like, your race, like, I don't, like, see myself as a white person, like, really, like you know, like, consciously, like, you mm. do unconsciously, right? But consciously, you're like, my identity, if you ask somebody what's my identity, it's like, I'm a Catholic, and I'm a Republican, and, you know, I'm, like, whatever, a Miami Hurricanes fan, right? Like, that's <laughs> right. my identity. You know what I mean? Like, those are the things <laughs> that define me. And so getting shedding that identity is is hard it's an identity I,
1: it's crisis yeah yeah right
2: it's
1: yeah. An, yeah. Yeah. yeah and so I, I mean look on the race thing um there's tons of scholarship out there last book that i read on this was called it's called steadfast democrats but they're the social pressures of conforming to a political identity within black america actually shapes people's voting habits, which is why we've seen six decades of of 90% of Black folks voting for Democrats, because there's a social penalty associated when you decide that you're not going to be one of the group politically. So there's that. But but sort of sort of pulling out to the identity question, I think there's this is a oversimplification, but I'll say it anyway. There's like two kinds of people in the world. There are the people who are Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans who hated the Patriots and Tom Brady, who suddenly love Tom Brady because he's now a Buccaneers fan. And then there's the 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 people that hated Tom Brady. And even when he comes to their team, they still hate Tom Brady. And and so we are we are in a world of with these two kinds of people. and. The vast majority, I think, of people love their team, no matter who plays for that team. And they're willing to trade out star players without any loyalty to the person as long as their team wins or as long as that that team identity is strong, as opposed to those who assess players based on their skill and love that player or hate that player because they're so good um, no matter where they go. And we are in a team identity kind of politics right now, which is how someone like Donald Trump can make the all-star team instead of being, you know, the towel boy. Um, which his talent suggests he's probably more suited towards.
2: I want to add just one other thing to this because that, the identity crisis is real, Is really part of it and it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. There's a, something else that's happening with Ron DeSantis and this is just this is just another difference between you, JVL, the type of person Jonathan V. Last and the, I, like I, we're picking on Jeb because he did this thing but literally everybody in the anti-anti world that's going to be for DeSantis, like everyone is going, all of them, no matter how good they were on Trump, they're all going to be for DeSantis. Um, they like him. Hmm. They like they genuinely like Ron DeSantis, and so that is like that. That's just something that is that, that they don't connect the way we do. Ron DeSantis to Donald to to
0: the all the evils and and horrors of Donald Trump.
2: Right? It's like I'm looking at
0: this person and I'm looking at the score sheet, and well, I like they, the score sheet. also they just say, well, he doesn't mean any of the things. All the things that I don't like, he doesn't mean. Yeah, I don't care about saying saying it not because... that important. He's only doing that because he knows he has to appeal to, right. to you know, the voters. See, yeah. to me, this is when you, when you talk about, the, for me, the, the big eureka was not like, these are all these things that I have believed that have turned out to be dangerous. Uh, it's that all these people who are voting want something dangerous, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and the, mm-hmm. the, the problem is, the problem is not the ideology. The problem is not the politicians. The problem is what the actual masses of people want it turns out that what a very very large number of americans not a majority maybe not even a majority of the republican party although maybe it is uh (laughs) want is something which is illiberal and dangerous and you don't need a majority to impose that right i mean you know the, the bolsheviks were like you know uh, 120,000 people or something and they, they change the course of Russian history you can you can achieve quite a lot with just like 10 million people who really <laughs> believe in something and they've got a lot more than 10 million And just really quick was to go back to my point about ideology.
2: I'm not necessarily saying that fundamentally, you know, like my view about tax cuts or like whatever is related to Donald Trump. What I'm saying is this whole fusionism, the right that we had to participate in. This is the continuity book, right? Like this this fusionism of, okay, for Ron DeSantis, I need to fuse the stuff I like, the tax cuts, the school choice with the – don't say gay exactly. with the nativism, right. with the anti-democratic stuff. I need to fuse that. I look at that and say, no, that's not a deal that I'm taking anymore. And and that's and that's I think where the where the difference mm. is. It's that it's the fusion of that that is the problem. Not like not I'm reassessing everything about my life and I'm like you know becoming a Marxist now.
1: Yeah, yeah, and to sort of bring it full circle to back where we started, I, I think at least me not knowing. DeSantis, Weller at all or even Sarah Huckabee Sanders, they don't come across as likable or charismatic. And so th- the idea that <laughs> that they are and b- that they're probably good people you know generally speaking behind closed doors, but they're these like fighters and warriors out p- out front, that doesn't translate into like winning national politics. In, in, in my book. And so I, 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 would, I would love to see the likable version of DeSantis, not, not a different set of policies, let him be what he's going to be. Well, what's the likable version of that? Um, what's the what's the likable version of a Sarah Huckabee Sanders? And if the Republicans can figure that out, they'll really be a dangerous force if they hold on to these liberal policies, because people will like them like they liked George Bush, but all of the time will um, you know that person may be dissembling, uh, disassembling <laughs> our, our democracy. That person is super dangerous.
0: Yeah, you know, Ted, I don't know that there can be a likable version because I think the well, I think Trump kind of was. is the is the point, right? I mean, they want somebody who is hated. They want somebody who isn't likable. They want somebody who's polarizing. They want somebody who fights. Trump was happy warrior.
2: He was joking. He wasn't happy warrior. It's joking. It's a little bit of a, you know, Trump was deft at the entertainment. Yeah. that's fair.
1: Yeah. That's fair. I think people want like the the, they want the Christian Leitner. And I hate to do all of the sports ball stuff. But (laughs) it's like like everyone hates the guy we love. And he's lovable to them. Right. And they love that he's hated by everyone else because he's so yeah. dominant at what he does that, he, you know, that uh, they just keep winning and everyone hates that they're winners. And Trump has I that. love
2: that 30 years later, Christian Leitner is oh, still I, just the look, go-to example of that. And everybody's <laughs> totally. like, yes, I grew up, yes totally. <laughs> we I haven't really yeah. hated Christian Leitner. It's been oh, 30 goodness. years. Yes. So, <laughs> I grew up be, in North Carolina. Knows, <laughs> yeah, who the hell knows what he's doing now? He's exactly. like, could be uh, volunteering at a church. Habitat for Humanity. Humanity, great man. Everybody's like, fuck Christian Leitner. Exactly.
0: I'm sure he's still an a-hole. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't know that. I I, I was only saying that for shtick. I, I truly, as you, I, I had the same thought to him. I was like, yes, we all in our mind have him as like the a the '90s villain, but maybe he's a. He's, he's a probably good a good guy. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right. DeSantis, you know, he's probably a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Good show, guys. Tim, thanks for being here. Ted, thanks for sitting in for Sarah. No, this is great. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Uh, we'll do this again next week. Bye, guys. Very good. Peace. Peace.